Just remain before God as we as we are here. Um, do you sense His resting presence? Do you, it's good to be aware of His presence. And um, I was excited this morning because um, sometimes you have words of knowledge and, and God speaks and no one responds. And I had a quite a strange word of knowledge at the Father Heart Conference that someone here uh, would ha- had a uh, a missing patella. I've never come across that in anyone. Uh, and someone came to me this morning and said, this, the, the, my husband was supposed to be here. He's got no patella in his right leg. Uh, and that word was right. So it's amazing, isn't it? So I need to go and get, get and pray for that guy. But the reason I share it is because God speaks. He's alive. He heals. I, I feel like he wants to heal. I feel like there's, there's some sort of issue in a right ear. That's why I could see it being kind of unblocked. I think there may have been an infection that's caused literal like deafness in the right ear. If that's you, can you just put your hand up if that's... Anyone right ear issue? Yeah, let me just lay hands, just anyone else as well. I feel like the Lord wants to touch arthritic conditions in here as well. You, you've, you've got pain in joints uh, and it's, it's affecting your rest and your sleep. The Lord wants to heal, so is that you? Uh, you put your hand up as well. We're good. Let's move around. Not good that that's happening, but good that you're responding. Um, just blood conditions, if that means anything for you. Just respond as well. Just put a hand up. Lord is here. Just this is the drill, right? People respond. The priesthood of all believers move from their seats in a non-religious environment. This is family. Lord, we just pray right now. Open ears that need to hear properly. We declare open ears. We thank you for deafness that has been healed. Lord, we've seen it. Pray, do that now in Jesus' name. For like others here, there's conditions with your teeth the Lord wants to heal. We've literally seen people's teeth filled supernaturally. So if there's t- issues with teeth here, yep, there's hands going up at the back. Lord, another hand coming, let's move around. Some of you guys are even on ministry team. You're even official. So move around. Lord, we just look to you right now. We say arthritic conditions be healed, teeth be healed. We say... We, we command healing in this place, Lord. We thank you that we don't need to ramp it up. We just say that you are God. Jesus, you are Lord, that you've sat down at the right hand of the Father. Your name is good phys- physician. You're a good doctor. And we say healing. We declare healing over families that need it. We declare healing over Jan and, uh, Jan's son, Lord Steve. We say let him rise up and be healed in Jesus' name. And we pray it in Jesus' name. We look to you. God, come. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're so good. You're so good. Feel free to test out what the Lord's doing if you can. And if anything's happening, let us know. Sometimes when God touches people, they cry, they laugh. That's fine as well if you're not used to church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some other words here. Healing for sleeplessness, insomnia, broken sleep patterns. Is that anyone? Yep, let's just thank Shaden. If you could lay a hand on Sandra in front of you, that's great. Lord, we just say good sleep for Sandra in Jesus' name. Rest in Jesus' name. We say come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Right. Uh, just, I had, uh, as I was praying this morning, just a sense that somebody's got a bad foot, right foot, around the ankle. Is that anyone? Right foot, bad ankle yet? Shirley at the front. So one at the back here, Rebecca. So can we, can we lay some hands on here and pray for Shirley as well? 
This is fun, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. We honour your resting presence on this place. We say, let your healing come in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just to say that on my phone, I've got literal doctor's reports of, he- of deafness that's been healed. So some of you feeling, is this real? Does this work? Yeah, God, God heals. I spoke to a lady who was healed at a Father Heart conference two, three years ago. Deafness in her ears, tunnel vision. She spoke to me and said, I'm completely well. God has totally healed me. It's amazing. So Lord, we say... Okay, this isn't a word of knowledge, but just a rise in faith for me. I um, earlier in the week prayed uh, with my daughter Sophia, who had been having really bad nightmares that had been waking her up a lot. And um, I uh, reminded myself of who I was in God. And um, without trying to be over spiritual with Sophia and freaking her out, um, told this thing, this dream to leave. And she's been fine since. Um, this sounds really bad, but it sort of surprised me. <laughs> but, um, so if anyone's been having trouble with dreams um, that are keeping you awake at night, I'd love to pray with you, and we'll do the same thing. Hallelujah. You can do that during the sermon. That's fine. Um, guys, this is how God works. I'll just shorten my sermon, which you might be pleased about. Um, what, what we're about today is looking at our, uh, our, our gift day. Some of you are thinking, oh no, I've come to the wrong week, uh, and, uh, but you're here. And uh, this is our first gift day of the year, so uh, here we go again. And we do it twice a year, and we're going towards, uh, we used to say we're praying and believing for a building. Now we're in one. Uh, and so it's good, isn't it? Uh, and we moved in on the 1st of September. Last week we had 450 people through this building. People were getting healed and set free and encouraged in God. We've heard from the Father Heart Conference, the students who were here from Citygate Church went back to their church and took an hour and a half to share the stories with other students about what God had done. Uh, that's good, isn't it? Uh, and then we had, um, yeah, just, just stories like bubbling up the presence of God over uh, in that church as well, this is God's project, okay, and I want, want us to all to breathe deep, okay, and say, Whew, that's good, that's not my project, uh, it's not the leadership's project, it's God's project, uh, but I wanted, I wanted to start today by uh, really lifting our sights, I think that's one of the things that God has given me a grace to do, can I put it that way, to, to lift our sights above the, the, the detail of the thing that's in front of us, and the detail is the money, actually, and I want us to lift our sights again, uh, and uh, I want us to understand that there is a radical, transforming connection with King Jesus that I'm believing for this morning, uh, that's... He's the lion, he's the king, he's Jesus, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he rules with all authority. Amen? Is this ringing? Is this loud? Is this... I'll talk about the PA later. Is this, is this okay? Is this good? I'm not hurting anyone. It sounds very loud from up here, but I'll, I'll shout in a bit as well. Um, it's so important that we understand who and what we're connected to as Christians, and without that, all we understand today is a giving moment uh, rather than uh, something that we're connected to that's much bigger. Some of us are, are even thinking, well, being a Christian means I come to church, I try not to sin, uh, and, I tr- and I do my best to witness for Jesus. I'm believing for more, are you? 
Yes, seven of you. Who's believing for more? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so the big story is this. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They walked with God. And their commission from God was this. It was to spread Eden. That was the, the commission from God. That God said, I want you to bring the inf- my influence everywhere. I want you to extend this garden. Now, Mornay unpacked that brilliantly at the Father Heart Conference. There's this kind of national kind of ground of not, not a little garden, not a backyard, but this kind of huge area. Uh, and God has said, I want you to extend it. And this is really ringy. Is this all right? Are you sure, guys? I feel like, I feel like I want to shout, but I can't. Are we, are we, are we good? Good, we're good. And so what, what God said is, you're my kids to Adam and Eve, and I want you to extend it, and I want you to innovate and build. And I think it's fascinating if it's a man and a woman in the garden, they're to have kids and they're to extend the thing. Not just supernaturally, but to actually innovate, to come up with ideas, to build and spread Eden. And we know it goes wrong. Uh, and then fast forward a number of thousand years and you get to Jesus. Bible calls Jesus the second Adam in Romans 5, and it says that the Father sends the Son, brilliantly actually, this song sung out this morning about the Son proceeding from the Father and all, the, all, of that, all of that stuff that was sung, but Jesus comes from heaven to earth on this assignment. His assignment is this, bring heaven to earth. And you could phrase it like this, it's a bit like the Eden mandate, the creation or the spread Eden. Now you've got this second Adam, the one who will fulfill what the first Adam failed to do, and is to spread heaven. In fact, the Bible summarizes Jesus' mission like this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's good, isn't it? Uh, And so you get Jesus, he teaches about what it means to spread heaven. He demonstrates what it is to spread heaven. And he knew what heaven looked like, and he says, I'm bringing it to earth. In fact, heaven comes to earth. Bible calls Jesus the chief apostle. And so he gives him the apostle with a capital A. He's the sent one. We learned that from Paul, didn't we, the other week? Paul Manwaring said, we're we're apostolic because we 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 are sent by the great apostle." And so Jesus comes to earth and there's love and there's freedom and there's healing and there's reconciliation, there's acceptance, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, there's provision, there's justice, there's hope. And suddenly this kind of, this, this mandate that was given to Adam and Eve, Jesus is modeling and saying, now this is what, what I'm bringing. And here's the thing, he then begins to equip his disciples to do the same. And so you've got the first Adam fails in terms of spreading Eden. And you've got Jesus getting, making it all right, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then this commission that is given to the disciples and then to us to say, you're to bring heaven to earth. And that's why Jesus teaches the disciples to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's an apostolic prayer. It is seeing what's in heaven and bringing it to earth. That That is what Jesus and what how Jesus teaches us to pray. He's saying this, he's saying, make this world look more like that world. Do you, do you understand that? It's an apostolic, so, so a, a, being an apostolic people isn't just running around like maniacs screaming, okay? It, 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 it's, to, it's to carry something of heaven to earth. And so when you feel the peace of God, that's an apostolic moment. You're bringing something that is in heaven on earth. In fact, during the worship time, Emma Slater and Joe were chatting at the front. Not chatting, but kind of, kind of gauge what was going on in the worship. And I think Emma said to Joe, did you feel the peace of God come? That, that is a moment where heaven comes to earth. 
or that moment where you feed the hungry person or, or give furniture to that person who hasn't got it or, or a generous something of heaven is coming to earth. And so we are now connected with Jesus and his kingdom and his eternal purposes. It's, it's an incredible thing. Eden, then Christ, and the disciples, then us, spread heaven, bring heaven to earth. And if you didn't realize, you can turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. Because if you didn't realize how broad the apostolic vision of Christ is, this, this sums it up. Ephesians 1 verse 10. This is what Jesus is, is doing. And he's doing it in these days to bring all things Everyone say all things. things. Great. In heaven and on earth, together under one head, even Christ. (laughs) Just, yeah, that's, that's, I know, that's, that word deserved that. Because when you begin to think about that, you think, okay, all things in heaven and on earth are coming under one head, even Christ. That, that means this. It means your salvation is part of God's eternal purpose. Because your life was outside of Christ, and now it's inside, and your life is now under the Lordship of Christ. It means this, it means your assignment on earth is now to partner with heaven, to bring heaven to earth and kingdom of God influence everywhere you go. So you're bringing stuff under his headship. Now, I had all sorts of conceptual ways of explaining this, but wonderfully into my inbox, a teacher who, who attends this church sent me an email, and it's an official report from what she's been doing at school. And so she was employ- is employed, actually, to set up a scheme for kids who can't access mainstream school uh, and year six pupils and to a regular curriculum that will look at emotional and behavioural issues. So it's just live in a local school, okay, from someone in this church is doing this. And uh, she called it the ARC Project, Acts of Random Kindness. And then she wrote a report recently, I think an official report, and said this, the curriculum covers healthy identity, forgiveness and hope. Okay? And this is evidence of the impact so far of this, this course that she's implemented into, into the school that she works in. After introducing... Oh, you want me to hold it higher, lower? Carry on. Here. That good? Right. After introducing the curriculum to the staff, a TA started to write encouraging notes to her daughter. When she, when she started, she, well, sorry, when she asked if she liked the notes, her daughter produced a crumpled note from her school skirt pocket that she kept with her all the time. One of the TAs has been encouraging teachers by anonymously baking cakes and leaving them on desks with encouraging notes. So this is, this is the influence of someone saying, we're going to handle these three kids at the moment and help them access kind of this, this curriculum of healthy identity, forgiveness and hope. That's the, that's the curriculum. One father disclosed that he had suffered from anxiety and depression most of his life and could see the traits of his son in, in his son who attends the school. He was in tears as he expressed his gratitude and relief that we were providing a curriculum which would help with children's mental health. The owner of the school catering company was present at the ARC presentation to the parents and was so impacted by it, so much so that he decided to carry out his own act of random kindness and thought and brought in two trays of cakes for the staff the following day. We Listen to this. We believe this curriculum can be transformational, and you might have heard this somewhere, and that transform people go to transform the world around them. 
this is this is this 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 is in this is from our church. That's our, our church vision statement. They're written in a document to summarise the official outworking of a school curriculum that's being helped with Year Six kids. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and so I, I, I thought that that for me. That, for me, is what it looks like to connect bringing heaven to earth. And so we're not a set of programs, and we're going to get to the money bit in a minute, but I just want to, I want to connect us with something that's so much bigger than money because a gift day is a way that we, we connect ourselves with an apostolic mission that is about seeing heaven come to earth. So when we pray for our kids and nightmares stop, when we pray for the sick to be healed, or when we, when we work as a teacher in a school and influence something of heaven to earth, it's apostolic. And that's what we're part of. Alan Scott puts it like this way. This way. He says, we're not looking to build an institution, but empower, train, and release sons and daughters to bring an intervention from heaven into every sphere. I think he says that very well. And so, let's have a look at the, the, the finance for a moment. Money and the discipleship issue. So we're, we're connected with something big. This building is not the vision. It's a tool to fulfill the vision. It's, we, we couldn't have done what we did a week ago in the way that we did it without our own building. That's true. And what's happened is the gospel and the impact of the gospel and refreshing of people in the Father heart of God, who they are, what they carry, is now influencing all over the place. You know where churches from within commission, where churches from outside of commission, we prayed for people from the Elim Church who came along for, for one of the sessions. We, there, there's an influence that God is giving us the steward, and this is part of that. And it's just bricks and mortar. It's all it is. In fact, I took someone upstairs before the beginning of the meeting and said, why don't you come and have a look what we haven't done yet? And it's kind of quite sad like that. But look, and, it, and it, it's a mess up there. There's all sorts of stuff to do. But it's part of the vision. It isn't the vision. So money and discipleship. I, I just want to get honest for a moment. I don't know anyone who at the moment is coming to me saying, I look forward to the gift days. It kind of makes you want to ask a question, doesn't it? Why do we find these moments annoying? Is that anyone else? Yeah, well, you can put your hand up if you want. You think, what, did I come to the wrong Sunday? I could have made an excuse, coronavirus and all that, and, you know, it's dangerous. I notice people are shaking hands with their elbows. It's quite interesting. Um, and, you know, I... I kind of was thinking about this from my own story, and I was sitting in my living room recently, just minding my own business, and there's a discipleship moment happening all the time, and I said something, and Jo looked at me, she said, God needs to do more with you with money. I was like, <laughs> uh, it's fair, I'm going to say, it's a, it's a fair cop. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was praying recently out where I often pray on, uh, if I can, for longer out at Hengisbury Head. It's one of my favourite places. So if you ever see me, that's what that's what I'm doing often there, and uh, not as often as I'd like. But that's what that's what I would be doing, uh, and was just praying and realising that there was an anxiety that had built up around finances, uh, and realising, gosh, it's it, hang on a minute, who's who's carrying this? Uh, and so when you begin to look at the, the figures and look at the numbers and look at the, oh, and it becomes quite, and maybe you've had that experience with your own personal finances where you look at it and think, that there, how will we make ends meet? Can we, can we do this? And the reason I share those two, two stories is because no matter how far you've come with Christ on your journey, there's always more to grow in. Uh, and sometimes you think, I thought I learned that and God's taking us deeper. And then we realize what is happening today is it's spiritual warfare. 
I think that's why it's fun to go after healing at the start and talk about connection with a great, a great big apostolic vision. And then you begin to, to drill down some of what this means. I mean, I, I, I've got two cats, okay? Some of you know that. And what I've noticed, to, the best way to wind a cat up, it's, it's pretty good, if you let them sit on your lap and you stroke them the wrong way. <laughs> just, it has been a tough day. I don't need to kick that cat. I'm like, come here. You know, I don't actually do this stuff. And I, I get rebuked because you love the cats more than you realize. You see me at home, I'm feeding them little treats and trying to make friends with the one that hates everyone. Uh, but I'm doing my best. But what, what it's a bit like that with discipleship. When you're sitting and you're listening and you, you know it's kind of in the Bible, but it's kind of stroking you the wrong way, that... That's, that's what can happen. And when you, when you know a message is irritating you, let me, let me suggest it's because there's more to do in our hearts. Uh, and so don't shoot the messenger. That's all I'm saying. I'm, ju- I'm just preaching the Bible. Uh, and, but what I would say that in, in honesty is this. Don't put a veneer on it. If, it. if you feel this is stroking you the wrong way, ask why. Jesus, what, what is it? And, and I tell you, begin to look at that. You say, may, maybe in your family there was some history of family control around money. Money was the thing that, 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 that people it, it poked you because it was the thing that was put over you or it came with strings attached or whatever. Or, or maybe it's you've just heard teaching on it that's been unhelpful. Or maybe leaders have let you down. And maybe that hasn't, hasn't always felt like you could trust the leaders that are speaking about this stuff to you. I, I would say, get under the issue. When it feels like you've been stroked the wrong way, get under the issue. If you think this is biblical, what you're hearing, begin to just ask, why does this irritate? Why does this feel like it's stroking me the wrong way? Martin Luther put it this way. People go through three conversions, their head, their heart, and their wallet. (laughs) Unfortunately, not all at the same time. Uh, And and just Martin Luther. So this is a discipleship journey. And if you turn to Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, just underpinning, trying to join some things up, because I think this is a discipleship moment, not a gift day. Ever so important we hear that. That Mark 1.15, Jesus says, the time has come. That word time is kairos. It means a moment in God. That's, that's what it means. not time to unpack that, but it's not the normal passage of time. It's a kairos moment in God. And we are in a moment in God. That there's only one generation who are going to do this building the way, and it's us. You say, oh, I didn't realize. It's us who are doing this as a Kairos moment. But Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And we know this because we've said it a million times. Repentance isn't simply saying sorry. It involves that. Repentance is a total change of the way you think. And so transformation, when we talk about it, transform people, transform the world, is accessed through repentance. Metanoia, that's what the word is. It, it's changing the way I think intentionally about it. That's why when Joe said to me, God needs to do more with you with money, that it's a spark. It's like, okay, what, I, what do I need to change in my thinking about my finance that's making me say those things? And so there's a, there's a transforming that needs to happen. So we come to God specifically... And today we're talking about finance, but it could be anything. And we repent of thinking in ways that are contrary to the way God thinks about stuff. Which is partly why I'm starting with the bigger picture. Because one of the things in our culture, a wrong thinking, is what church is. We sit in rows, then we go home, and then we come back and we sit in rows. 
Now that's, you've got to change the way you think. That's why I brought the story from the school. Because it's, oh, in that sphere, I can be apostolic and function apostolically by simply doing my job from a heaven to earth way. Really important, we get it. That's why I'm saying this stuff. I'm not saying it just for good stories. I'm saying, look, there's, there's theological truth under this stuff that equips the church and equips you to live out of rows into the community. And when we gather, we're being empowered to live out into the community in that way. And so I'd say it like this. I cannot afford to have a thought in my mind about God, myself, other people, or my circumstances that's not in the mind of God. We've got to think differently, and that's what repentance is. And some of you think... I, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around this. We will keep saying it, I will keep saying it, I will keep saying it, because there's something that needs to break, I believe, in the church, in the West particularly, that takes people into a new, empowered living, full of the Spirit, uh, as sons and daughters. And so if we're honest, there are all sorts of faulty thinking that, that we need to repent of. And we've said this, that's why Christian discipleship, defined like this, learning to think and live like Jesus, is so challenging. Jesus is constantly challenging his disciples. She's not dead, (laughs) which looks dead to me. You know, he said, no, see it through heaven's eyes. And so Jesus is constantly encouraging us to think differently, encouraging his disciples to think differently. Randy Alcorn puts it this way. He says, I've never seen a mature Christian who is not also a mature steward of finance. Giving is part of growing. So let's get really specific about money for a moment on this repentance discipleship journey, this connection with apostolic mission, this connection with something bigger. Money is not inherently evil. It's actually neutral. It's a neutral thing, money. Love of money is a problem, the Bible says, but not not money itself. What happens, though, is its use is steered by the condition of our hearts towards God, and that reveals what's really going on. So the money that comes into our lives is steered by the condition of my heart and it reveals something about God. And if you don't believe me, take your receipts and your bank account and look at what goes on what. Look at it. Look at it and see. See what you worship. It's frightening. See, see, see the sorts of things we're giving ourselves to. So money, money becomes a spiritual thing because it reveals idols in our hearts. Money reveals trust levels. Because the lower your trust in your Father in heaven, the more you grip hold of it. So more about that in just a moment. Money reveals identity gaps. If you believe you are alone and self-sufficient, you cling to that which you have. Do it. It's at the buffet table. You watch it. The person who fills up their plate the most at the front, they're filling themselves, you know, their pockets with drumsticks and all sorts. You think, I get it while it's there. That's orphan thinking because we have a father who's abundant towards us. Money reveals my willingness to surrender. Every time I'm challenged about money, it tests my submission to Jesus' lordship. Because the Lord wants me to give this, but I want it for that. Who's in the driving seat? And so there is a need to think differently about money and stop believing the lies. So if Christ is not Lord over our money and possessions, then he is not our Lord. That's challenging, isn't it? That's what Randy Alcorn says. He's written a brilliant book on, uh, on treasure principle and money eternity and, and so on. Some of you have read that. But Jesus teaches more about money than he teaches about heaven and hell. Because it's touching something. It's a spiritual moment right now. A discipleship moment. 
One in six times when Jesus opens his mouth to teach, it's on money. That's shocking, isn't it? Because sometimes we get into a church and you talk about money a lot. Well, not as much as Jesus. It's true. Not one in six times I open my mouth do I talk about money. It's probably more about food, if I'm honest. And that says something about some of the idols that the Lord will deal with me with. I'm joking. But God is, God is working this stuff out. Jesus teaches this stuff. Why do you think Jesus sits in the temple near the offering and comments on it? Can you imagine if I did that on a gift day? Yeah, it's like, by the, by the, don't use the envelopes, guys, because I want to see what you're giving, and I want to give a commentary. Yeah, good work, nice, good gift, better than last time, well done. Because Jesus is, Jesus is interested in the heart. And so when the widow gives, he's more interested in what's left over, not what she's given. So she's given 100%, isn't she? We know the story, it reveals the heart. And so what I feel is this, my, my job in leading a church is not to get the bottom line in order. My job is to reveal the truth of God and the spiritual realities and then allow you to respond from your hearts. That's really what my job is. And before the Father, I can say, I did, I've done what, I, I, will look, I will respond personally and we will respond as a church. And so I wonder if we could just stand, and I'm going to get really practical in a moment. Let's just stand together. On the basis that... Repentance means that there may be some things we've got to change the way we think about money. If you feel there's some things that I need to change about the way I think about money, just put your hand on your heart and just because we're going to pray. I, I, you know I'm there. I've said it publicly, so my hand's there. And this is about changing the way we think. Lord, I pray that as we stand here and really repent, change the way we think. I pray, God, would you help us to see the lies that we're believing and replace them with the truth? Lord, we know our, our hearts are to be 110% all in. Lord, I know this church. I know what it's like. And, Lord, it's full of a desire to pursue you. And, Lord, I pray as we respond individually, let's pray, get our hearts on this issue. Get my heart on this issue. Take me deeper. I thank you for the stories that Joe and I have of your provision. We ask for more. In Jesus' name, we say, Lord, just remove the cloud that is like this stuff that needs to move. Help us to see our generous Father. Help us to see when he was good to us. Help us to see the one who gives us good gifts. Help us to believe your provision again and again and again. Even as we give, help us to believe for your provision. And I pray, Lord, use this building and this project to put something deep within us of trust in you, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do take a seat. So as we, as we just get, let's get really practical. So we've gone the high level, apostolic, heaven to earth. Uh, we've looked at the discipleship journey. I want to get really practical. I think there are four important points that stand out to me when you look at your financial journey. And they're this. Know where you want to get to. Know where you want to be. And know, know that. Know where you are on the journey. So if, if you're going to get A to B, know roughly where you are on the journey. And I'm going to unpack some of this for us. Know what your next step is, because that's important. It's like, well, if I'm going to go and try and get to here, but I'm over here, how do I even do that? And then explore what is stopping you take that step. Some of this I've said before, but I want us to keep building this into the life of the church. There's a framework that we use here to help us on our discipleship journey, uh, and it teaches us uh, really, that, that there are a number of stages. So I, I reckon in a church our size, there'll be people in every category. Some of you, stage one is never given. You've never given anything. 
You've never given anything uh, to God, to the work of the church. Others of us might be occasional givers. I call those God's tippers. You know, it's kind of a fiver or a tenner in the bucket when it comes around, when you're feeling like happy and it's, and it's there. It's, occasion, it's very occasional. Or maybe you're a regular giver. It's monthly, weekly, when you're paid, but it's not really in proportion to your income. It's kind of an amount that feels right in the moment. There's those of us who are tithing, regularly giving 10% of your income to the work of the church. And then there's those who are also, above and beyond that, extravagant givers who are giving generously in a God-honoring way. So just as I do this quite briefly, but I think it's quite straightforward, I want to just take us on the journey, see how we move from one stage to another. So if you kind of work out where you are on that chart and think about this, how do we move from never or occasionally giving to regular giving? Because I think what happens is if you are sitting at that stage where you've never given or you occasionally give, I think what's happening is, is you're believing at least two lies, okay? And the first lie is this, everything I have is mine. You know, that, that's an absolute lie because the Bible says this in 1 Chronicles. It says, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. It's kind of, that's what it says. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor, where do they come from? Oh, they come from you, God. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So, so it comes from God. If you don't believe it all comes from God, you will hold on to it with dear life. J. John says this. He says, Christians squeeze their money so tight they make the queen cry. <laughs> it didn't feel like that. So it took me ages to get this together. Put it here. Hold on to it. And that's really what he's saying. God doesn't own 10%. He owns 100%. You are God's postman or postwoman. He gives it to you. It comes into your hands. And you ask God, where would you like this to be posted? That, that is how stewardship works. Not time to unpack the, the wonderful truth of stewardship. Because what the world teaches, it teaches get it, accumulate it, hold on to it. What God teaches is stewardship. I'm giving it to you, now distribute it. Completely upside down to the world. So everything I have is on loan from God. My time, my talents and my money. So we've got to repent, change the way we think about ownership. But the second lie I think we might be believing is church exists to entertain me. And so I come, and if I like it, I might tip and I might give, and, uh, and, and that might be, be how it is. Or I joined this church because I like the worship or the teaching. But the truth for the scripture is that the church is the family of God. And no matter how your family works, but they don't belong because they invest their money, or they, they don't, oh, I like this. Sometimes it's, our family is terrible, sometimes it's great. But they're family, and we're family. And so we are connected with God as sons and daughters vertically. So we're connected with him, but we're also connected horizontally one with another. And we lay down our lives for one another. That's why we're doing this. We think we can only do this together because we've seen something together. We, 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 this is not Duncan's vision and kingdom. This is God's kingdom. And we're involved in this together, so we're connected together to do this. And it involves sacrificial giving. So some of us need to repent and change the way we think about what it means to belong to this church. Oh, I thought it was nice coming to a, a nice hall, and, 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 and it's nice, and we get good coffee, and the worship's not. That, that's not why you're part of this. You're part of it. If you're family, you're in, <laughs> and you're connected, and it affects our giving. So that's kind of how we can move from never or occasionally giving to regular giving, that we deal with those two lies. 
And choosing to move from never or occasional giving to regular giving will move you from this church being somewhere you come to somewhere you're connected with family. That's kind of how it works. I don't know if you've noticed this, your heart follows your wallet. You start to invest in a company, you start to check the stocks and the shares of that company. You begin to invest in a family, you begin to, you, you, you are literally invested in a way that you weren't before. Now, how do you move from regularly giving to tithing? Most of us here can relate to more month than money, I think, probably. Uh, and the way, the way that we move, I've got to be quick here, but the way we move really from, uh, from being regular to tithing is we've got to believe that it's more blessed to give than receive. That's what Jesus says in Acts. That it's all Paul, uh, Luke quoting that in Acts. One guy said this, he said, this guy owned a big company, he said this, he gave away 90% of his income. Can you imagine that, giving 90% of your income? But the money came in faster than he could give it away. He said, I shovel it out, and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. To to believe that, there has to be a repentance, doesn't there? To say, do I believe that? No, I don't. Well, help me, Lord, I repent of not believing it. Help me to believe your shovel is bigger. That this, this God, I can't outgive. I can't outgive God, and we've proven that again and again. We have a Father who is radically generous, and you'll never outgive him. Romans 8 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Everyone say, all things. So he's a generous God, isn't he? And so God gave his son, his standard of giving is very high <laughs> to give one of your kids away. That's a very high standard of giving. Uh, and so God is not going to shortchange us. But Jesus says this, he said this, no one can serve two masters. Evil hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Tithing is giving a tenth of our income. For me and Joe, it's of our gross income. And we say, that's God's. Straight off the top. We don't even look at it. It's gone. That's the first thing it goes. And I can honestly say in nearly 25 years of marriage that that has been our practice. From when I was a student and we had small income right through to now where I'm working full-time, Joe's working part-time, that's been our practice. And we, we've never stopped that, whatever has happened. It's never been even, I, never really been, could we stop it? Do we need to? It's like, no, that, that is what we do. I'm just being honest with you, just saying that's, what we do, because Jesus is saying, look, one of the ways you can deal with this not serving two masters, weirdly, is give the stuff away. It's like it's counterintuitive, but there's more month than money, we'll give it away. Because what happens is Jesus is naming money here, he's saying it, it's a spiritual battle, he even gives money a name, he calls it mammon. It's a weird name, isn't it? it, it it's, a, it's a named enemy that has strategies. And mammon works like this, it tells you that that it's, it's, it pushes a temporary world view because it leaves us wanting more now. Well, I need the latest phone. I need the bigger TV. I need, you know, that's conviction because we're looking at changing our telly. <gasps> so, so there's, there's all of this stuff. Do I need to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade? Because I need it now. And that's what mammon does. Or it's discontent. What I have isn't good enough. Or worry and fear. What I have isn't enough. And Jesus says, if you are going to win that battle, you got to give it away. And if you want to, want to look at it in a more aggressive way, if you want to take the head of mammon off with your broadsword, then you give, that's, that's how you do it. You give away, you give away, you give away. And it's, it's an amazing thing. The more you do it and the more you lean back onto God, the more mammon gets stabbed and killed. It's a weird thing. It's just true. So if you're anxious about money, 
And I understand this. If we're in debt and we handle that, we've got ways of helping you with that. John Bayman and others running debt advice. We understand it can be more complicated. But for many of us, I'm clinging to this because I'm anxious about it. I would say, under your hand and give it away and see what God does. It's not about church budget right now. It's about living free. It's spiritual warfare. Loads I could say about what tithing does. I've, I've talked about what me and Joe do. But I would say this in Malachi 3.10, it's, it's the only place in the whole of Scripture where we're encouraged to test God. Only place. We know it. We're well taught. And God says, as you bring the tithes into the storehouse, see why I open up the floodgates of heaven. I could not describe to you the amount of blessing that we've had as God has given us this holiday or that furniture or that car or that, that provision. I mean, someone recently paid for me and Joe to go away to a hotel. We weren't expecting that. It had been a really busy time. They just said that we feel like you, you just need to go somewhere and relax. And, and we were like king, we were like a king and queen, weren't we? we? It was that sort of, we, we just, we just know, have known the blessing of God again and again and again. I would, I'm so confident in God. I would say, put him to the test and do the tithing test if you've never tithed. If you feel like it's not, for some of us, we've got non-Christian partners. We can't just do this. You know, it's not, there's partial things that reasons we can't just do this. But for some of us in this room, there's a moment you think, could I do this? I'm saying, do it and you'll never look back. I would say it this way. Remember my old, one of my fellow elders, Tim Green, always used to say this. He said, I cannot afford not to tithe. How does that work? Cannot afford not to tithe. And that would be our story. And then moving to extravagant giving. This is generosity which is marked by consistent regular extravagant giving which exceeds proportionate giving of tithing this is for us the journey part we're on constantly feeling for me personally how do i step into this more consistently just being really honest with you how do i as an individual step into what it means uh, to, to really represent god's generosity through the way i handle my money because that's what we're, we're called to do. I don't know if you realize that people are looking in at this church outside of the faith and outside of Christianity. And they're, they're, they're looking at this impossible building project, seeing it begin to take shape. And it's representing the Father to them. And they don't even know it. It's like, how is this happening? Well, what happens is people are just giving. We saved for like 30 years and... We invested this, and we've just done this, and we've, we just put some money here, and we're now next to this, and we can't wait to get the get that kitchen fitted, and then we're going to serve people in the community and train them to cook, and we've got youth work going to be here, and when we get that done, it's going to be fuller, and oh, they begin to hear it, think this is this this is representing the gospel to people through our generosity. You've got to understand that as something spiritual, it changes in the atmosphere. Jesus is outrageous with his provision. Do you remember the story, this one, Matthew 17? Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to them, but so that we may not offend them, he's speaking to Peter, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, (laughs) and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for your tax and mine. I mean, that's insane. It's like me saying, let's hire a trawler and we'll go fishing and there'll be 500,000 when we, the first thing we pull up and when we can get the upstairs developed. It's like, you idiot. Is that really, that, 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 that is God's way of providing. He could have done it in all sorts of ways, but he decides to do it in the most outrageous and unexpected way 
because that's our God. And so I think there's an adventure to go on. Jesus, Paul said this, he said, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I really want to underline that. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful or hilarious giver. Giving that makes you chuckle because you think unless God steps in, we're stuffed. We've been there in offerings moments. We've looked, me and Joe have looked at each other and thought, this is could be bad. That is hilarious giving, and some of us need to step into that. So have a stretch. You can move. That's kind of what I wanted to share. I want to tell us some, some facts before we come back to some worship and have some hilarious giving. We have worked out our next steps. We've got three major next steps that we want to take as a church. Uh, and I want to give you a clue as to the finance and to why. Because it's really helpful, I think, as we get to this stage, we're trying to work quite hard in saying, what are our next steps? How much do they cost? Uh, and what do we want to do first? Let me, just, just a warning, you will not agree necessarily with the order. That's fine. Okay? I'm, I'm in a family with a wife and three kids. I recognize even those proportions don't agree all the time. Okay? So when we start to get towards two, 300, uh, we, we're not going to agree on everything. But I want you to know that this has been thought about pretty carefully, and there are a lot of factors. The first thing is, um, and I'll tell you the order in a moment, the PA in here, which has been interesting even this morning, we were lent this. It's not built for this room, and it's causing us a problem, and we can't grow beyond a certain number and be heard. Uh, and we can't lead even in terms of even perhaps even our culture sometimes. We're going to shout over people and shush people. And some of us were at the Father Heart Conference and we thought if we could get nearer that type of sound, that would be a bit of a game changer in terms of our worship and our experience here in terms of usable space. It's not the only thing we do in this building, but it is an important aspect. And so we have that recosted uh, because uh, to do the whole lot start to finish uh, is a 60 grand spend. And we said, is there an interim place we can get to uh, to do the PA in a way that will work for us a little bit, as I say, nearly like the Father Heart Conference? And that's a 25 grand, including that, important, 25 grand spend. Okay. Then we said... Actually, if we could get that downstairs foyer open and start to open that, maybe we can get the flooring done. That's emails this week. Paul's looking at the carpets wearing out. It's going to become the point we're going to need to adjust it. If we can get the flooring in, then that would be amazing as well. That is actually, this is an incredible quote, but it sounds quite a lot. That's £17,000 to do the flooring in there. It involves screeding it, levelling it, uh, and getting the flooring in. So, so there's around about 50k there. Say it quickly, it sounds less. Upstairs, and here's where it all joins up. If we don't get the upstairs done, we're going to struggle to get the kids where we need to get them because we want to, what we value family and we value the kids. And, and at the moment, we're using the kitchen for the creche and all sorts of things. But that aside, we've got, we've been given a grant that's effectively been ring fence for youth and kids' work, uh, and we want to use that £20,000 towards. Uh, the kids' rooms upstairs, but we've since had it costed out, and it's going to be to get those rooms up and running in a, in a modular way, like I described at the family meeting. So you could walk up, you could walk up those stairs or those stairs, and, it, and it's and it's kind of you won't feel like you're in the whole open area, but there's there's some kids' rooms that then could double up as office space midweek. Uh, we would we would like to do that at some point. The total for that is seventy thousand to develop that. 
But the good news is we have 20,000 already towards it. So that's good, isn't it? So that, that's effectively that area there. I know this is getting very specific, but it's just important for us as a family. So if you're a guest here, uh, sorry if this is kind of, you know, all, all news within the family, but if you're rich, feel free to pay for that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind. That's absolutely fine from my perspective. So what, what, we, fi- what we feel we want to do is, is go for this order. We want to get this, the space that we've developed so far working for us so effectively it means and we fought really not fought argued but we fought in terms of wrestled with is that the right order because we think if we can get if we can get backfilling this but don't we want to get upstairs yeah we do but this has got to work Uh, and so we're feeling like pa foyer cafe flooring and then the upstairs that's our next steps just to put that into context of 70k it's about 400 to 500,000 to finish upstairs like it is downstairs now. So we're nearly there, I, I, you know, So as far as I can see. So that's kind of where we are. And as a landis, and then Paul's going to come and give us some very practical points about how we, how we do this. It, just, to, just to land this, it may be that you've never started tithing. Maybe your offering into the bucket is, I'm going to start tithing. Maybe that's your, maybe that's your moment. Others of us, it might be, we need to review our giving. We're giving this amount, we want to review that. Others of you might have big lump sums of money. Put them in, that'd be great. Maybe some of us, it, it's not the amount, it, but it takes you to that hilarious moment. It's like, oh, this is, it's not really isn't the amount. It's, it's, it takes me to this hilarious moment where I'm trusting God. It may be, just to be really practical, maybe you can offer interest-free loans. And we want to chat about that as well. That might be another way that you think, actually, I, I can do that. I, can, I, can not, I can't just put that amount in, but I can loan it for a period of time. Maybe you've not come prepared to give. We've got stewards who have got IOUs. We're covered, are we? We've got stewards. So what, what we're going to do is give you an opportunity in that. It may be that you're giving... And you're a UK taxpayer. Can I say, please, 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 as Paul just said in a moment, use an envelope because we can get 25p extra for every pound, and that makes me smile because we get that from the government. That's a good thing, tax-efficient giving. So um, I'm going to pray, then I'm going to hand over to God, and as I pray, you'd be thinking. Some of us, me and Joe have chatted this morning. That's our normal habit. We'll pray, we'll come together, we'll talk, we negotiate. We, we come here generally prepared for week one. Others of you, it might be, you want to give, and we've got another opportunity next week. So ring your friends, tell them they didn't get off, uh, and they can be involved in this spiritual discipleship journey as well. So Lord, we just commit this moment to you. We, we recognize that in this moment, Lord, you're connecting us with something bigger than finance, that we get to give in such a way that it brings something of heaven to earth, that there's an apostolic nature to what we're doing right now. And I pray, Lord, without any hint of compulsion or pressure or, or uh, any of that, Lord, teach us in our hearts to, to get to a new place when it comes to money. That this would be a walking into freedom for some of us where we say, I've taken the head off mammon in a way that I hadn't done before. I'm free from that anxiety and it came about as I gave. And Lord, we do lift these next steps to you. Lord, some of it we don't know how it's going to work. But to be honest, Lord, I'm shocked at where we've got to. And yet you've done it. We, we look and we say, God, you've done it. You're the God who parts the Red Sea. You're the God of the Jerichos. You're, you're the one who, who does these incredible things. And so we rest this whole thing in your hands. 
And Lord, we don't want to be driven or under pressure. We want this to be a spirit-filled adventure, uh, Lord. Not filled with anxiety, but, but filled with your peace uh, and examples of just what faith looks like, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.